You're listening to Angel Nears, the podcast. Angel Nears is a Silicon Valley community for startup builders where founders and operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Oleg Kujikov, and our guest today is Punit Sony, the founder and CEO of Suki, a virtual medical assistant that acts as a voice user interface for EHR's electronic health records, which enables a doctor to write their clinical notes, enter orders, view information, and exchange data with other providers dramatically more efficiently. I'm excited to bring Punit onto the show to talk about reimagining the healthcare tech stack, making it invisible and assistive by delivering incredibly fast and accurate voice experiences using the latest NLP and ML. But before we get into all of that, Punit, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited to get to know you a little bit and find out uh, what Suki's all about. So uh, let's get started with you. You're the, the founder and CEO. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you even got started as an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, I was, uh, you know, my background, I'm an electrical engineer by training. And, um, you know, in the early days of my career, I was working on electronic design automation and a bunch of engineering jobs. Um, and then ended up actually doing a little bit of venture capital, which you know, I, I can safely say, A, I was not good at it at that point, and B, I hated um, and, uh, um, and then uh, I decided to um, uh, go to Google um, and was there for almost eight, nine years um, uh, as a product manager in the search team. And then later on, uh, when we were building mobile apps, then as the uh, product lead for all of our mobile apps, and then games and social and when we acquired Motorola then actually running software for them. Um, before I started Suki, I went to India where I was the chief product officer of India's largest e-commerce company. And uh, um, and then I kicked off Suki. And so, you know, the running joke around here is that, you know, I've, uh, I've done, you know, electronic design automation, shift work, I've done mobile apps, I've done search, I've done social networking, e-commerce, um, games, um, mobile phones. I guess it's only logical that I'm doing healthcare now. Um, so, so that's a little bit of my background and, uh, uh, and uh, a synopsis of my story. Yeah, it probably would have just been easier to ask what you haven't been working on. <laughs> Talk about like talk about talk about what major global problem in healthcare uh, in the healthcare industry that Suki is trying to solve. Just give us your elevator pitch. Yeah, I mean, God, the entire healthcare ecosystem is is basically a collection of major global problems right now. Um, the you know the biggest public health crisis that very few people talk about in the country right now is the absolute burnout that's happening to clinicians, doctors, MAs, PAs, nurses, etc. Um, and it's only getting worse and worse. Um, by some account, I think there was a Stanford study that said that almost 80 per, 88% of all doctors don't recommend their own profession to their kids anymore. Um, you know, you're, you have doctors who are spending two to three hours a day you know, doing administrative work, checking boxes, filling forms, and uh, rather than doing clinical work, which is what they're trained for. So we have a situation where we have taken like a very professional, probably one of the most professionally savvy um, group in the country, and we have converted them into glorified data clerks. 
And uh, uh, now when that happens, first of all, they burn out. Um, then they leave. If they leave, then, you know, in general, the healthcare ecosystem becomes more lopsided. Uh, patient care slips. Uh, if you are supposed to do 40 patient encounters a day and write 41 page notes uh, every single day, then you're probably not going to be able to capture all the real right things anyway. So it's a little bit of like garbage in, garbage out. Um, and then, you know, that then health systems say, oh, let's spend money to actually fix the problem. And you spend billions of dollars um, on something that actually has nothing to do with actual clinical care unless you, you know, you actually have the right data so that the continuity of care can happen. And so it's a little bit of a, a mess. And, uh, um, and, you know, when we started the company, uh, the thesis was, uh, you know, one, uh, it looks like uh, the technology has not really done a good job of serving healthcare. Um, B, or two, it looked like... Um, um, you know, the, the next generation of user interfaces, um, like mobile was another generation of user interaction model that started in 2005, 2006 and grew from there. The next generation of UI is going to be voice. So then if you put those two trends together, the unbelievable um, administrative burden and uh, on doctors and combine that with the fact that voice is becoming a, another user interface for the world, um, there was an opportunity to use this technology to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible um, so that clinicians can focus on what they, you know, do best and love doing, which is taking care of patients. And so that was a little bit of the thesis behind the company um, called Suki that we started. Let's keep talking just about how AI-driven healthcare technology can have uh, potential to deliver higher quality care in a lower cost, more accessible manner. Can you talk about that? How does Suki do that? Yeah, I mean, look, AI is a much maligned technology. Everybody thinks they're doing AI these days. A dog walking app in Silicon Valley has AI in it. Um, you know, it, the easiest way to like say you have come, become made a company is you just basically say you're using AI. AI is like a very broad term. You know, what does it even really mean if you think about the things that uh, the problems that are there? A majority of cases when people talk about AI, they're actually just talking about glorified if-then-else algorithms and with humans behind them tagging data. Um, AI, true AI, and especially where it comes to you know, places like voice, um, is some collection of natural language parsing um, um, technology, uh, speech recognition technology, uh, the ability to use deep learning algorithms to make these much more savvier um, and figuring out patterns and then learn and self-learning so that you can actually make a much better, more intuitive user interaction model for the end user. Um, so uh, when it comes to the use of AI in a company like Suki, we basically have an underlying speech platform. The speech platform uses um, uh, speech recognition technology so that you can convert what people are saying into words. Uh, you have an underlying natural language parsing platform that can basically take the words that are created out of the speech recognition system and make meaning for it, understand what they really mean. And then you have an intent extractor, uh, which basically 
takes those collections of words which have meaning and understand what's the intent is you know when you say hey suki what was my day like uh, it has to understand that voice it has to convert it to words then it has to make sense of what those words mean and then it has to match it to an intent the intent is the assistant should actually show you what your schedule looks like and so all of these underlying technologies uh, can be built uh, and are built using classical learning models and uh, uh, algorithms um, that basically sit under it for this you need a lot of data um, and the good news is that uh, uh, first of all doctors actually do a lot of things basically repeatedly and so there is only like 19 20 workflows that basically keep being repeated all the time second the act of using suki creates a clinical note which documents the encounter uh, and clinical note is where all data in healthcare is is hidden so the act of using suki creates the data that can actually teach suki to be better and so what we have is a really nice virtuous cycle of data creation product getting better more adoption happening hence more data getting created product getting even better and so on and so forth and so that's basically um, a little bit of a peek under the hood for what powers uh, the suki digital assistant yeah so that all sounds like a great vision can you tell me what the market is like today like I I I believe that all these tools can be built but what is what are doctors using today and talk about what technology looks like in a in a doctor's office today. Yeah, if you step back and you think about the vision of Suki, broadly it was to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible. Now, healthcare tech can be a lot of different things. But we said make healthcare tech assistive and invisible so doctors can, which means that we are targeting providers, actual doctors, MAs, PAs, nurses. So then the question is, what technology does doctor a doctor use today? A majority of the work they do is to interact with the electronic medical record system, um, and in that electronic medical record, the system, the majority of the work, thirty forty percent of the work they do is in documenting a clinical encounter. Then they spend time actually, you know, putting in orders. Then they spend time managing inboxes. they spend time actually extracting codes out of it so that effectively they can get paid um they can spend time querying it asking it you know for information on well, what you know what is the vital signs of this patient or what allergies does this patient have or what medications are they taking they spend time clicking and checking boxes now if you're going to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible then you want all these use cases to become easy and seamless and so that was in in many ways the 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 genesis of why we were doing suki now what what were they doing before when you know suki existed well first of all they were actually directly using the emr typing in notes uh, clicking boxes checking things um and uh, as you can imagine that's the most expensive scribe you can ever create because you basically take a really expensive resource and put them to task to do mundane work and then um there was uh, you know a time when there were there's a you know the lot of doctors use dictation apps so you click somewhere you talk you click somewhere else you talk and it will convert what you said into words that's actually interesting it actually speeds up a lot of different things but at the end of the day dictation is just a technology it's speech recognition a digital assistant like is like siri or alexa or cortana or suki is basically a product you know it doesn't just convert word audio to text it actually understands what you say and does something with it 
And uh, then there are other technologies like transcription services where you send the audio to a low-cost location and some human being types the note for you. Virtual scribe systems where a human being is basically a scribe for you from a low-cost location. Actual scribes, which are people who are sitting right next to you, that cost thirty to $60,000 per year. Um, these are all various things people were using to make their interaction with healthcare tech easier and, foc- and let them focus on clinical care. What Suki did is basically built a voice-based digital assistant that could do a lot of these things in some meaningful way, in a completely scalable way because there's no real human being behind the scenes and at a cost and a price point that's much cheaper because, again, there's no human being behind the scenes such that you could save doctors a bunch of time and make them much more efficient. And so, you know, when we launched it, the first thing it did was start writing notes for you. Uh, but then, you know, uh, we added a new skill where as you were writing the notes, it would extract codes and, and uh, put them in the EMR so you could get paid for it ultimately. Um, then we started adding the ability for you to be able to ask it all sorts of queries like, hey, show me this information or show me that information and it would actually do that for you. And then we realized that there's a long tail of use cases where people still want to dictate like letters and emails and things like that. So we just added that as a free feature within the assistant. Um, so these are all just skills and you can add a lot of skills and every skills job is to reduce the doctor's work uh, and make the healthcare tech that they interface with more assistive and invisible. The approach with voice, like it's so interesting because we're kind of, we have a challenge here in healthcare tech where we have kind of a mess of technology as as it is right now, <laughs> uh, right? You, you kind of mentioned like doctors, they kind of wrangle with their EMRs and they have to do a lot of like administrative tasks, checking boxes, typing in notes. How does voice change the game and, and kind of, you know, we can add technology, but actually make this interaction in the provider's office more human. C- can you speak to that? Why is voice uh, such a game changer? Yeah, I mean, this isn't really about healthcare. Voice is going to be the next big UI. So in 04, 05, 06, we were all like running around saying, oh, you know, mobile. And then there were some people who were saying, yeah, you have to swipe on a glass screen and that's what people are going to do. No way is that going to happen. You know, and then cut to like now and there's just mobile. Right. Even these big laptop and big screens are becoming more and more like mobile. And uh, uh, it is the dominant user interaction model uh, in the world. Now, if you think about for a second, um, this idea that you're going to carry around glass labs and swipe on that. And that's the only way you're going to actually communicate with each other makes less sense. You know, it is a good way. It's a private way. It has its use in, in many use cases and set, set, setups. But it's obvious that the most uh, high fidelity way, a higher fidelity way in which you can communicate is voice, right? There's nuance. There is uh, an ability to understand inflections. Um, There is an ability to actually be able to express what you want to say. That shortcut, six different swipes and four different clicks. Um, So so the... This is a continual theme, in my opinion, where user interactions or human... Uh, computer inter- interfaces keep becoming more and more uh, high bandwidth 
you know, we were basically putting in like these paper cards at one point of time. Then we said, oh, you know what? It seems like we can type a little. Oh, you know what? I can use a mouse and click things. Oh, you know what? I can swipe on glass screens. You know what? You can talk, you know? And so um, I think voice is going to be the next big UI. Um, and in a few years, we'll look back and say, wow, people used to like, type and swipe on things like you know why couldn't i just talk to my thermostat or talk to my fridge and, and get it to do things or talk to each other and have the information go so i'll i'll stop for a second and that is my you know get off the soapbox on why voice actually is the next big ui now if voice is the next big user interaction revolution then um one place where it will be most useful is going to be any place where it's going to be more useful is a place where there is a lot of clicks and checks when you have to do six clicks and four checks and five different lines to write to do one task then voice becomes easy because all you say you have to just say it you have to just say it one sentence and it should understand it where does that happen a lot it happens in healthcare now the other two things that are interesting in healthcare is healthcare is a very fixed ontology because the words are so unique, it's actually much smaller than consumer ontology of language. And so therefore, you can actually be much more precise and accurate in healthcare. Finally, doctors are used to speaking very precisely and they're used to voice products because they've been using dictation for a long time. So now you have a, a, a product area or a sector that actually has a lot of the fundamental workflow challenges that can be shortcut by voice with a uh, grammar and ontology that's much more constrained which makes it more accurate with a user base that's used to speaking precisely and uh, has used voice products before it's like the holy grail this is where voice is going to explode so that's why voice great great answer let's move on to suki tell us about the origin story like what what insight or aha moment led to starting this company you know um I can't tell you that there's some emotional reason that I decided I wanted to do something in healthcare. Nobody was sick. Nothing was happening. You know, I kind of wanted to start a company and uh, I looked at a few different areas and I felt I was at a point in my life where um, anything worth doing was not worth doing if it was a small gig. Um, better to do something where time would be an inherent advantage. And I had the time and the resources to put into it. And, um, um, and I wanted to make sure that there was clear societal value. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that there was a non-zero chance that this would be a, 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 one of the biggest companies of its era. And so um, if you think about healthcare, it's 5 to 7% of every country in this world's GDP. It's about 20% of the US GDP, which is a mess. Um, and in the idea that search has Google and e-commerce has Amazon and media has Netflix and social has Facebook, what does healthcare have? And how is it that we don't have a world-beating, game-changing technology company in healthcare? Yes, there are companies with like singles of billions of dollars market caps uh, that are pure tech. But nothing that even comes close to what an Amazon or a Google or a Netflix and others have accomplished. And so I have this thesis that the greatest, most significant technology company ever built is going to be in healthcare. 
I don't know when that will be built. I also don't know if Suki has a shot at it. It has a non-zero chance that it could be it. But, you know, it has a non-zero chance that it could be. So that meant that it, it had a sh- I had a shot at fulfilling my ambition of building a, a, a really significant company. Nobody can argue that working in healthcare cannot have social value, um, especially if you're actually helping doctors. And then finally, in healthcare, the natural sluggishness and friction and bureaucracy and painfulness of healthcare becomes an asset and a moat if you have the time and commitment to put into it for multiple years. And so the same thing that freaks entrepreneurs out where they don't want to do it because it's going to take them five years to actually get any traction becomes a moat for somebody who's actually willing to give it decades. And so um, all those reasons is why I decided to do healthcare. Now, a slightly long-winded answer, but I think that part of the story is as important as why this area. Uh, Once I started thinking about healthcare, I um, ended up actually spending a lot of time with some of my network in medical schools and Harvard Medical School and a bunch of other places where I would just basically shadow doctors and see what was going on. And there were a bunch of ideas I came about. Um, very quickly, I realized that if you want to validate an idea in healthcare, then you should go to the nurses' uh, break room and, and pitch to the nurses. They will destroy every idea that you ever had um, and tear it to pieces. And if you can get to a place where some nurse will tell you that this is like a half good idea that that he or she might even barely entertain it, you probably have a shot at building a billion dollar company. And so I basically would take all these ideas and sit in in these nursing break rooms and have my, you know, um, enthusiasm crushed um, daily and uh, got to a place where... uh, um, I was sitting in an exam room watching a doctor. There was a army vet who was there. He had a bunch of comorbidities, um, diabetes, PTSD, and a bunch of other issues. And the doctor was trying to like make sure that we collected his blood pressure. But the person was anxious enough by being in the hospital. So they wanted him to go home and then we said, relax it up, then collect the blood pressure. So the doctor's like putting a sticky on the computer uh, that this has to be done. And then telling the patient, here's my phone number. You call me while he's also documenting as he's talking to him. There is a nurse in the room. There is an MA in the room. There is a social worker in the room. And the most distracted person in the room is basically the doctor. You know, and, uh, and so I was looking at it thinking, why does he have to do so much work on tech to actually be able to focus on this patient? And that's when it felt like, if we had a digital assistant that could like be available to this doctor so that they could just tell it a few things and the document encounter would be documented or prescribe a few things and be documented, that could actually be really game changing because the doctor would free up cognitively from looking at the screen. And so that became the genesis of the, uh, the problem statement that Suki is trying to solve. Talk about the product offerings a little bit more. We, we've already discussed them, of course, but um, Suki set up its technology to be used in like one of two ways. Can you talk about the two product offerings? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, if you think about Suki, 
the initial plan was that it's a voice-based digital assistant. Think of it like a Siri, but for doctors. Uh, you download the app, you can start using it. Now, that's available in many form factors because doctors don't only want to use it on your phone. You may have it on your iOS device or Android device, but you can also log into the web and use it. Um, and then later on, we realized that people want to do long-form dictation, which is different from the just intent that the Suki command and control that Suki was doing, but still important. So we added a Windows app to the mix. So now you have all of these form factors in which the assistant can be used. So doctor can be in office and they can use it this way. They can be walking out. They can use it on the phone. They decide they want to be in a break room and open their computer. They can use it. They want to use it in a, a, a mobile machine that's like in the office in in their hospital, so they can use the Windows app. Like no matter how you want it, Suki is available to you. So that was Suki Assistant. Um, Suki Assistant. To build Suki Assistant, we ended up having to build a speech platform. The speech platform contains a speech recognition system, an intent extractor, these natural language parsing setups that power Suki. But over time. Some of the most significant healthcare tech companies of our, of our era started showing up and saying, hey, I want to add voice to my system. Can I use the same infrastructure you have to add voice to my system? And now if your goal in life is to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible, it's not going to only happen because you gave people Suki assistant. It will also happen if other technologies started using Suki speech platform to add voice to their systems. So therefore, um, the goal of Suki is to make healthcare tech assistive and invisible. We have two product lines. One is a Suki digital assistant, which is like a Siri. And the other is Suki speech platform, which is the platform that other products use to add voice to their system, both in service of the mission of making the doctor um, free from all the healthcare tech uh, you know, interfaces so that they can focus on the patient. Next, like how much, how much of a physician's time can Suki actually save? It depends, like everything in life, you know, um, the official marketing number is anywhere from, um, you know, is about 72% of all time on ad uh, administrative work. Um, the reality is it's anywhere from 25, 30% up to 72%. Um, now, why the difference? The difference is some doctors are more savvy. Some doctors are less savvy. Some doctors are really awesome at typing. Some doctors are painfully, like, find it very painful to type. Some doctors, um, if you're a behavioral, you know, um, doctor, then you probably write, like, typing these long-form novellas on patients. Some, like, orthopedics has just a few things to change. They see the same people again and again. So based on the underlying workflow, speciality, tech savviness uh, of the doctor, um, the amount of time Suki can save you can vary. But typically, if you give us a sample set of doctors, we expect an average of 50 to 60% you know, decline in all time taken on administrative work. Okay. And then that's time saving. But then there's other things. Um, you save time, you can go home early, or you can see more patients. But more importantly, you can be less frustrated. You can talk casually and get things done. So your satisfaction rating improves. Uh, you feel more, you feel less burnt out. You know, you, uh, you stay in practice more. Um, patients feel like their doctors are paying attention to them more. So patients start feeling better. 
And the data that you're actually extracting out of it, even if let's say there was no time saving, the data that extracted out of it is higher quality. This means that the care for the patient is better. This also means that the, you know, the codes and the nuances are, are, are extracted from the note is better, which means maybe higher revenue for the doctor or the clinic or the hospital. So there's a lot of positive benefits. Time saving is just one of them. And it sounds like it would do a lot to combat burnout, which is so cool. Talk about next some of the key challenges uh, faced by Suki and, and what steps you've taken to overcome those key challenges. Key challenges. Well, I mean, there are lots of challenges. Every time people ask me, um, you know, how are you succeeding and how is, why is Suki doing, you know, you know, what it's doing? And I usually tell them, well, with great difficulty. The, the one challenge that is in general a challenge is just healthcare in general. You know, now to some extent, the sector is the way it is because it's dealing with human lives. Um, you know, the bar for, you know, accuracy and quality is much higher in healthcare than in other places, rightfully so. Data, privacy, security matters a lot. So you have to invest a lot more upfront into the company to build a product, unlike other places, rightfully so. Those things are the right things to do. That, that the, um, the setup you have to buy into when you build into healthcare. But healthcare is also significantly regulated. Um, some regulations is appropriate, but some is just, in my opinion, you know, just over-quantifying things that can't be quantified. You know, we kind of have done a number on healthcare uh, because if you think about it, the, you know, let's see what we do to our doctors, right? If you are in, um, if, I, if I did the same to my VP of engineering, I would be telling him, hey man, um, for every line of code that your team writes, you have to write a comment. And uh, I will judge, you know, how you did based on the comments you wrote. And I'll pay you based on those comments. And if the product breaks, then I will sue you. Okay. Now, the chances that there will be many VP of engineers left after that is very bleak. Right. So, so this thing is what we have done to the doctors. Okay. And uh, somehow, it's realities. Yeah. Somehow, the smart people who are way smarter than me, I'm sure, uh, have decided that we should quantify everything they do because some way we can quantify a doctor's work. And then we will quantify and we'll pay them and we'll, you know, we will help healthcare get better. All they're really doing is just adding a lot more work for people. And uh, so that problem um, is just the nature of healthcare as it stands. Um, the other is the immense amount of bureaucracy. You know, there are some very well-meaning people in the administration of healthcare. But for every one doctor, when you have three administration, then it's, you know, question to ask is, is this healthcare or is it like administrator care or something? Um, the number of people you have to go through to get anything done with, to the user is just unbelievable. And this actually comes from a surfeit of regulations, high bureaucracy, and just the nature of like the sector we're operating in. So when you pull all these things together, what that does to a company that's starting in healthcare is uh, it creates a significant amount of upfront infrastructure work 
that will not be paid off because there is a significant amount of sales cycle to get through to actually start getting revenue. So then how many companies can actually raise money and beat, sit around for like multiple years before the first dollar shows up? Most companies don't do that. So they either build something super small or, and that's not ambitious or they just die and fold. That's the general problem in, of healthcare tech. Now, in Suki's case, we have to interoperate with the system of records, which is EMRs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good things to say about electronic medical records, but I don't think anybody's going to call them cutting-edge technology. Um, you are building pipelines into it to put data into it and pull data out of it. The thing that I've learned over the few years that I've done this is that there's actually a really awesome group of well-meaning people in these companies. But the infrastructure and the underlying pipelines are so broken that just integrating on top of these is um, super long, painful uh, you know, road. But if you don't, then who's going to use you? Because ultimately the data has to show up in the right place in the system of record. And so big picture, problem number one is just, you know, the, the immense amount of barrier to entry because of all the things you have to check off to actually do healthcare. Problem number two is the bureaucracy and administration and the amount of sales cycles it actually creates. Problem number three is the electronic medical record and the integration work you require. I do think that third one is a solvable problem because there are well-meaning people in these EMR companies, but it's not easy and straightforward. We are kind of like the pioneers who are pulling these pipelines into place. And uh, if you put all of these together, that seems like a pretty significant challenge for any healthcare tech company. And now, mind you, we are a voice product. So you have to be, you know, I mean, if you've ever tried to talk to Alexa or Google Assistant or Siri, you know, it's not going to be always precise. You have to like sometimes be pissed off and screaming at it a few times before it gets what it's doing, right? Um, we can't do that. I can't like have a product that's like 98% accurate. Um, you know, if a doctor seeing a patient and they say, insert my typical clinical, you know, note, I can't not understand what they said or say, oh, tell me what you said again. First of all, they have no time. They don't have any patience. Second, they're dealing with something way more important than working with me. And then finally, I just replace their clunky interface that they were checking boxes with, with like this, you know, AI that keeps like beeping and saying it doesn't understand. So, you know, that here though ends my rant on all the problems that you can face when you're building this product. Now, the good news is, when you actually are on the other side of it, which we are, wow, it's a moat. Because who's going to do what we did? It took some time and some tech to actually put it together. So that's how you, I would think about it. Wow. That's just like so much info you're keeping at the top of your head. That was a really good answer. Next, let's look under the hood. Talk about the technology stack and what kind of important choices you had to make early on. Yeah, I mean... Like anything that you build, if you're building a company in any space, really, the first thing you have to do is actually uh, validate that somebody will pay for it um, because you can build any kind of product. You cannot build go-to-market. Um, uh, once you have validated that, I think it's best to actually build the simplest possible prototype so that uh, you can start testing with real users. 
And so we literally used to like ask doctors who were local to just come by our office and we would have like a really dumb version of Suki in front of them and they would just talk to it and, you know, effectively we throw up all over it and then we would learn from that, right? And uh, you iterate in the wild by actually talking to your user continuously. Um, In the early days, we didn't really worry too much about building a speech stack. We just used whatever off-the-shelf pieces were there. Um, you know, Google Cloud had a bunch of things. We pulled it out from that. Um, and then we just pulled, cobbled something together. As time went by, we basically had access to more data and the problem felt more validated. Then we started actually rebuilding pieces uh, of the product as you can. The tech stack is mostly homegrown. It sits on top of Google Cloud. The intent extractor is Suki's. The speech recognition technology is a combination of many different speech recognition engines. We just plug and play depending upon specialty that we work with. We have a great partner in Envoke. We have something in-house. We have a great partner in Google. We just use all of these things in some variety of ways. Um, The NLP platform is mostly ours. It's a model that's written in-house. You know, the apps are in iOS, Android, and web. Uh, there's a Windows uh, native app that has recently taken off and is being used a lot. Um, and, you know, we have um, seen a lot of usage. Uh, Amwell did a deal with us where, you know, which is this large telehealth company that every telehealth um, encounter that happens on Amwell, you know, effectively uses Suki. So Suki is embedded within that. Uh, Vocera did a deal with us where, you know, all the nurse ba- thing where they use the Vocera devices to communicate with each other use a Suki speech platform. So that's another area where we have been working. Uh, we have some work that we're doing with Philips also, which we'll announce soon. So um, those are some examples of how the stack is being used. And of course, Suki Digital Assistant directly is being used by, you know, doctors across the country in 100 plus health systems. Can you talk about what's on your roadmap? I know sometimes that's you know sensitive, uh, but what kind of exciting things are you working on now, uh, and where are you headed? You know, with the cab like that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you this: that like in in this space, um, you end up having to build three times the amount of stuff you have to build in any other space uh, to actually build a company. I, I I think I I don't look at it as a badge of merit that we built so much. Uh, we, we have had to build so much um, so that we could actually build a, a functional company in this space. Um, I wish we had built a lot less. Um, and I wish that we could, uh, we could just keep a narrower focus and actually build it. But the ecosystem deserves a, you know, effectively what Suki has built um, is something that there are companies in the prior generation over 20 years who have not put together yet. Um, so. Um, that's a lot to build and put together and then actually serve with the kind of quality that the, you know, this ecosystem deserves. Um, now, there are two or three different arcs on which these roadmaps will evolve. Um, you know, Suki speech platform over time will be more and more widely adopted by more and more companies who want to add voice to their system. So that's just a thing that will happen. Suki Digital Assistant um, will uh, has today four skills, you know, Ability to create a note, ability to code, ability to um, ask questions, you know, show me data, commands, and the ability to dictate anywhere. Um, I expect that over time, more skills will be added. Maybe we will tackle inbox management. Maybe we will tackle, you know, um, navigation. Uh, Maybe we will 
uh, tackle, you know, other kinds of coding like CPT and things like that and HCCs. So there'll be a lot of things that doctors spend time on. We'll probably want to take more and more there and add them as skills into the assistant. The other arc is going to be that the assistant is initially was very dictate heavy. Then it became command and control. You could just talk to it and it would understand you. But it'll become over time more and more automated. So you would expect that certain things the assistant would just do without you even talking to it. Um, and just have it there for you so that when you're ready, it's available. So I expect the more and more automated version of assistant to happen. I expect more and more skills to be added. And I expect that the inherent homegrown platform will become smarter and smarter and stronger and stronger and more and more accurate. Um, so those are the arts on which uh, product development will happen. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And uh, this seems like a good place to wrap up. So before we get out of here, what's the best way for our listeners to reach you and learn more about Suki? You can go to our website, www.suki.ai, S-U-K-I.ai, um, and, uh, and learn more there. And, uh, you know, uh, if you, the, the thing that I want to leave you with is um, the, the, this is a very important problem to solve. Uh, there are a lot of super sexy, cool areas around us of tech. Um, I have, you know, had the privilege of being in some of them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, the latest crypto thing is probably exciting. There is fintech. There is like, you know, all sorts of games. Uh, you know, Meta is burning money on their metaverse thing. Like there's all sorts of cool things to work on. But at the end of the day, you know, if you think about one thing that is present in people's life when they're born till when they die is healthcare. And uh, if you make the practice of healthcare better, um, you're actually making a huge impact on the world. And, uh, you know, if we could even take one-tenth of the energy we put into building games, into building interfaces that are incredibly easy to use for healthcare workers, uh, we could, you know, create a much better world. And so for those who are listening to this, whether it is Suki or it's something else, like, you know, you decide which companies you like and you think are at the forefront of this, um, I would advise you or push you to like think about healthcare um, as an area to work in. If you're a technologist, think about it to work in. If you're a you know, financial person, find a way to actually you know, invest in it. Um, if you're a student, then think about adopting it as a career. Um, I would advise you to think about this because this, this area needs a massive infusion of external talent. Um, and the existing setup technology has not served healthcare. Friend. So I'll leave you with that message. Uh, if you want to know more about us, go to suki.ai and uh, we will be very easy to reach from there. All right, Punit, thank you. Uh, it's a great message. It was a great interview. We really love to hear from you again, but this was a treat. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for having me.